0: You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at South Christ Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. You'll go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 John. Man, I miss being with y'all. Laura and I were at a, a retreat for her work two weeks ago and last weekend. I was uh, filling in for Pastor David in the worship center. And I'm, I'm just saying uh, two weeks of not hearing the venue worship team and like no, they're good. I'm just saying like God uses them. Amen. Like, yeah, they they look great. Yeah, we can clap. It's awesome. Getting fired up over here. So 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 gifted. Appreciate them using their their talents for the Lord. Again, first John, we're gonna be in chapter two. Appreciate Austin and Tony preaching the past couple weeks and walking us through first John. We're gonna be in verse seven in just a minute. And something I want to remind you again, first John two, verse seven is where we're gonna start something you'll probably hear a few times in this series is that a lot of these passages, they're simple, but they still, they still have significance, right? Like, if we're gonna read this passage in a second, and I think that the big idea, kind of like the past couple weeks, really kind of jumps off the pages at you. Like, you don't have to study this for hours to, and get all these commentaries out to, to know what he's saying. It, it just jumps off the pages there. But again, just because it's simple, that doesn't mean it lacks significance. 1 John 2, And what we're gonna do, we're gonna read it and then right out the gate, I don't normally do this always, but right out the gate, I wanna tell you, just kind of put in stated fashion what you hopefully already see as you read it, what the big idea of the text is. And some of you, you got the little notes on on the way in, so you'll be ready to write those down. First John 2, verse seven says this. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have heard from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness. And doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So big idea right out the gate. What is one piece of evidence that you know God? Drum roll. It's already on the screen. So, you know it. If you love others. One piece of evidence that yes, you really know God, that you have a relationship with him. It is if you love others. You can say it this way. If you've experienced the love of Jesus, you'll begin to love like Jesus. Makes sense, right? Pretty simple. He says it's not, it's not a new, no, it's an old command. If you've experienced the love of Jesus, you're gonna love others. And I do wanna clarify something. Um, later, he talks about brother or sister. I think we, we tend to think, Always oh, talking about the love between brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's really talking about how you should love other Christians, which that is true. But the idea of brother or sister here is this idea of, of who, whoever your neighbor is, your brother or your sister. And think about it, like an easy argument for why it's, it should include love for everybody, not just loving Christians. It would be silly if God was like, you know what? You're gonna love each other, other Christians, but I don't give a rip how you treat the world. Like that would be weird, right? That would be not what Jesus did. No, we love... Everyone, whoever our brother or sister is, not just physically, biologically, but anybody, our neighbor, we love them. If you've experienced the love of Jesus, you're going to love like Jesus. Like I said, simple, but a few things I want us to, to think about before, before we dive in super far. So first, remember, important concept for all of First John. I keep saying this, but hopefully it'll stick. His goal in giving us ways to to examine if we really know God or not is to bless, not to stress, right? It's not to cause agony over whether you're really a Christian, but it's to give you assurance. It's not to create confusion, but to create clarity. God wants you to be able to know that you know him. And and really two ways it's a blessing and keep driving this home. First, the blessing of assurance of knowing you really know God. Like, how cool is this if you study 1 John, read through it, and as we go through it, you begin to gain this assurance that you really have a relationship with God. So like, that, we could just, we're not going to, but we could just have church right here just on that. That, like, you could walk out Sunday after Sunday as we go through 1 John, or as your own, as you're reading 1 John, with a confidence, with assurance that you really have a relationship with Jesus, that that you really know, I'm not doing the whole percentage thing, but that you know in your heart of hearts that yes, that you have been forgiven of your sins, that God's grace and mercy has flowed for you on the cross of Jesus Christ and that your sins have been made as white as snow and cast into the ocean, never to be picked up again, that you are forgiven and clean. That's something to be excited about. Assurance that, that right now, if you are in Christ, that his Holy Spirit indwells in you. And as the scripture says, he's the God of peace who sanctifies us. So he's, he's giving us peace, but also sanctifying us that day after day, that you're gonna stumble sometimes, that day after day, he's making you more like Jesus. How cool to have assurance that yes, that's me. That's my story. How cool to have assurance. that, like we just saying about that one day we will be with Jesus in heaven for eternity. We'll see our, our loved ones, our friends who we've lost on this earth. There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. We'll be with Jesus forever and walk the streets of gold. That's pretty sweet. He's saying you can have assurance that that is your story. So he's not trying to stress you out. No, how cool to know, yeah, that's me. I may not always feel that way, but man, I've looked at these things John's given me to examine myself with, and even when I don't feel it, that's me. Yes, I'm gonna have doubts sometimes, but I know because of these things John's given, that's me. Uh, Again, and the second way he's blessing you is if you look at these tests, these kind of ways to examine yourself, so to speak, and you realize you don't know Jesus, how cool that through that, the Lord is inviting you to wake up to the fact that you need a relationship with him. That also is a blessing that right now, this morning, God's desire is to draw people into a relationship with him. Maybe that's you. Pretty cool. Bless not to stress. Another thing I, I think is helpful for, for walking through this passage, and again, I shared this with what this metaphor, this story with the Welcome Center last week, but I want you to have it in your tool belt as we go through 1 John. And it's, it's this, a couple years ago, Lauren and I were coming back from visiting some family in Florida and coming back to Dallas or coming back to Lubbock through Dallas because unfortunately you have to do that. And uh, on the airplane, getting settled in, Lauren and I were kind of a couple of seats away, we were on Southwest. And they, the, the stewardess starts to do her spill about the airplane, right? Like the, about the seatbelts and safety card. And question, what do most people do when, when the flight attendants start going all over, over all that information? What do most people do? Sorry, a little, a little more confidence here, a little more assurance. Just kidding. They ignore it. Yeah, they ignore it. They tune out, right? People are putting in their AirPods. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying it like that. I do that too. <laughs> uh, You've you got your iPad out, or your book, right? You're flipping through, or like, you're getting your candy bar out, or, or whatever. You're not paying attention. And so that's what I was doing, just like always, this one time. Uh, well, this particular flight, the flight attendant that was close to us, who I was supposed to be observing all this stuff, um, When she finished, she came to, I was on the aisle, she came to meet another guy and she said, she has to take our headphones out, which got my attention. She said, all right, we're gonna have a little pop quiz over what I just talked about. (laughs) Which immediately, though I knew I wasn't in trouble, my heart started to race, right? I was like, I'm in high school again, oh no. So she begins to ask all these different questions about things she literally had just said, and I I failed the test bad. And she very playfully, but kind of seriously, she said, well, Looks like you should've listened to my little talk, shouldn't you have? And I was like, yes ma'am, I'm so sorry. (laughs) What's funny, people people tune out, they don't listen because I really, I think one of two reasons. One, they they feel like the, the threat of harm or like that something could go wrong, they feel like it's not a high likelihood. Like in all fairness, when they're like, in case of a water landing, I'm like, if we have to land on water between Dallas and Lubbock, we're in trouble, period, right? Like it's just not gonna go well. But we just figure, ah, there's not gonna be any problem, so, so you just kind of ignore it. And two, this is for sure a reality. I think in that moment, we've, people on the plane figure they, they've heard that speech a thousand times, so they figure they just know it, like, I'm good, I've got it. And even though I'd heard that talk, seriously, I don't, I don't know, a lot, not a hundred times, but a lot, I've flown a lot. I didn't know it. For so many of you, we come to church and we, we hear these simple ideas like what we're seeing in 1 John this morning, and, and we think, oh yeah, I've heard that, I'm good. And God doesn't want you to do that this morning. He he wants you to lean in, at the very least, to to be able to grow in assurance. He's not inviting you to look through the window like, "Mm mm-hmm, them other people need to hear this. No, he's inviting you to look in the mirror of self-reflection this morning. Y'all with me? All right, last thing we're gonna do as we walk through this text, I'm calling this helpful insights. You've got five we're gonna see here. We'll walk through in a second. But really, throughout the whole thing, John's kind of just driving home this same idea that if you've experienced the love of Jesus, You'll love others. You'll show love to others. He keeps driving that. But we're gonna eat it slow like a, a good piece of steak, right? Even if a steak is seasoned just with simple salt and pepper, eat it slow and savor every bite because every bite matters on a good steak. That's what we're doing. If this was the 11 o'clock crowd, y'all be mad, it'd be making you hungry. But <laughs> We're gonna enjoy it slowly, take it little by little. Verse seven, one more time. I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've heard from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. First helpful insight I want you to see. A relationship with God will always, emphasis on always, a relationship with God will always lead you to love others. It will always lead you to love others. Where am I getting that? What am I saying? He's saying, if you look at the text, he says, this is an old command. This is not something like that's fancy or for the elite Christian. No, this is an old command. A relationship with God has always led people to do this, to love others. It's, it's fundamental. It's, it's foundational. To know God, to have a relationship with him always leads you to, to treat people the way God does, with love. If you go back to Leviticus, you don't have to turn there, but Leviticus 19, 18. So was, that's one of those books that you, you uh, skip over in your Bible in a year plan, right? Like, hopefully you don't do that. But in Leviticus 19, 18, he says, you should love your neighbor as yourself. So a lot of us think, oh, that's, that's Jesus. Now that's Jesus quoting the Old Testament. In Mark 12, 29 to 31, Jesus does say that. He says, the most important command is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this. What? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he's quoting the Old Testament. So he's going old school. He's saying this is foundational, fundamental to what it means to know God. It, it translates to you loving others. That's why in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13, he says, These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. To know Christ translates to to you loving others. It's it's fundamental. You could even say part of why that's so core to what it means to be a Christian. Later in 1 John, he says that God is love. That's who he is. Don't be confused. He's still God of justice and judgment and wrath, but he's also a God of love. How can that coexist? The cross, don't get, focus, sorry, Brandon. Okay. Um, He's a God of love. It's who he is. So if you know him, you have a relationship with him, you're gonna love others. Just imagine for, for a second. It's take a lot of imagination. But just imagine that I could slam dunk the basketball. Be awesome, right? That's why I love Haddon's little two-foot goal at the house, because I'm like, yes, I can crush it. Best part about being a dad. So just imagine that I I could slam dunk. And you you see you saw me do that, but what if then after I dunked it, you passed me the ball and this was how I dribbled. (laughs) You might go, wow, you can slam, but you clearly can't play basketball. if someone said, well, he could slam bucket. No, the person who accused me of not being able to play basketball has it right. Because dribbling is so fundamental to basketball that if I can't dribble, clearly I can't play basketball. It's too core to what it is. No no matter how impressive it is when I can do like a 360 windmill or whatever, right? Like, it doesn't matter. When, When he says, This is an old command. You've heard it from the beginning. So as soon as you came to Christ, you begin to hear this idea that to to know God is is to love others. Like if you have a relationship with him, it's gonna translate to you loving others. It's so fundamental that it doesn't matter what you you could point to as a Christian, say, well, I'm a Christian because I went on a mission trip to Afghanistan, or I'm a Christian because I learned, I memorized the entire book of Ephesians. Like it doesn't translate to you loving others. Loving others is so fundamental and core to what it means to be a Christian that no matter how impressive that stuff was, that you clearly don't know Christ. Y'all tracking with that? This is core to what it means. I don't care what you point to. Like he, says, he said in last week's passage, like what you say about yourself, if you don't love others, you're missing something. This is, this is loving others is not like the, oh, wow, now you've reached this new stage of Christianity. No, It's just basic to what it means to follow Jesus. Relationship with God always leads you to love others, always. So again, not window, use the mirror. Do you love others? And not just like, oh, I feel good about people, but like, do you selflessly take action on their behalf? Do you love others? Maybe as we were reading through seven and eight, you felt like John was a little confused, little mental issues going on here because he says, it's not new or it's new, but it's not new, it's old. Like, what's he saying? I'm gonna read seven through eight again. We'll, We'll move in a second to our second insight. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've heard from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard, but yet I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Well, which one is it, John? (laughs) Is it old or is it new? Make up your mind. Is he confused? Is John confused? No, he's not confused. We've already seen how it's old. How is it new? Before I give you the insight, let me me point this out. He says, I'm writing to you a new command, which is true in him. Here's our second insight. It's this. Jesus is the standard of love for others. Jesus is the standard of love for others. So so while it's old, it's fundamental to what it means to be in a relationship with God, it's new in that Jesus, when he came and lived his sinless, perfect life, he sets the standard of what it means to love others. That's why he says it's true in him. True, not in the sense of opposite of false, but true as in real as opposed to unreal. It has more substance. So Jesus has set the standard. It's true in him. So Jesus, he really fulfilled what it means to love others, but then he actually acted upon it. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment that I give to you that you love as I have loved, right? It wasn't a new command to love people, but he's saying that the new part is the quality of love. You're gonna love people like I love people. So Jesus is the standard, it's true in him. When you think about Jesus being the standard of love, it kind of wipes away this idea of love just being an emotion and how you feel about people. If love is just an emotion and how you feel at certain times, then you're, you're on the roller coaster all the time, right? Agape the word used here, love, is unconditional love that you choose to show to someone whether they deserve it or not. Like I'm pretty sure when Jesus was being mocked by the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers having his beard pulled out and being spat upon and eventually beaten to a pulp, I'm sure he wasn't like, oh, I just love you guys. Y'all are so cute. This is awesome. No, it was horrific. It was terrible, but that did not deter his unquenchable, unending love. Praise God, amen? Because we, we deserve death, hell, and condemnation. It might as well have been us spitting on Jesus, pulling out his beard, but regardless of how we treated him, he still chose to act on our behalf to the point of death on a cross. Y'all, love is not a feeling. Love, John Mayer has it right. Love is a verb. It's a verb. It's something you do regardless of how you feel. Jesus is the standard. And it's not just the, 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 that he loves regardless of how he, maybe he, how he was treated. It's also that he set the standard of who we're to love. Do you remember when someone said, love your neighbor as yourself? And someone asked him, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Kind of a funny question. And Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan, right? We don't have time to go into that, but basically he says, Jesus tells the man, is anyone who's in need of care or love from you? So we don't just love people who act like us, who think like us, who talk like us, who look like us, who vote like us. No, we love anyone and everyone. Jesus sets the standard of that. But there's another way this command is new. So Jesus is the standard, but I wanna read verse eight again. He says, it's, true, it's a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So quick question before we get to the insight. How, so it's true in him. Then he says it's true in you. And he's talking to believers here. So John's addressing those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ. He's addressing believers. He's saying this new command of being able to love like Jesus loves, it's true. So it's real in you. How, how could that be? What's he referring to? It's this, it's our third insight. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love others. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love others. That's how it can be true, not just in Jesus, but also in us that we love like Jesus loves because the Holy Spirit, once we believe in Jesus Christ, we're saved by grace through faith. He indwells us and begins to transform us, sanctification, he transforms us in the image of Christ. We begin to love people like Jesus loves. So notice, this is not an extrovert versus introvert thing right? This is not, well, some people just like being around people and I would prefer to stay at home. No, if you know Jesus, whether you love to be around people or you like to be a little more secluded, because the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to begin to love people. You're going to begin, doesn't mean you're the hyper, crazy, loud person, but you're going to begin to see and view people as more important than task. You're going to, in your business, you're going to see people as more important than profit. 're going to you're going to see not sing you're going to see people as more important than self because the Holy Spirit is is changing you and transforming you to love like Jesus loves so again you know, I, I want to ask you examine yourself do you the really question is do you know Jesus? If you can begin to see this life transformation of you love others doesn't mean you're an extrovert, but that you, you actually care about other people, want to act on their behalf? And that, that's one piece of good evidence that you know Christ. If you, if you don't see that, that love for others, they're saying you, you need to take a hard look at yourself. Thinking about this, I know some of us may would say, <clears throat> well, like, I, yes, I love others, but I, I feel like I still struggle sometimes. I, I still, there's times where I just get ticked at people and I wanna be selfish and I, I, I wanna write them off. Like some of y'all, it's when you're driving, right? <laughs> like, um, just get frustrated with people. I think, I think a helpful way to think of this is to think about my, my in-laws, uh, Honda Pilot. So the Pals, they have a Honda Pilot that has lane departure notifications. <laughs> I do not have that on my vehicle. So when we go back to Florida to see the family, it's the lane departure system. They let us borrow their Honda Pilot. It kind of throws me off a little bit. So what happens is, is, most of you are probably aware, but if you're not, if you begin to, to like veer out of the lane and all and ha- at all and you haven't used your blinker, it gives you a little bzzz, and maybe a little ding. And on the on the little display, it says lane departure. I always joke with Lauren, I'm like afraid that her dad has the lane departure system hooked up to his cell phone so that he gets alerts every time I depart. And I can just see him at home, like, should have never let that fool borrow the car, right? But as far as we know, that hasn't happened. <clears throat> But what's, what's funny about the lane departure is I, I really don't have, like, I'm not, I don't have this desire to drive out of the lane, right? I'm not like, forget you interstate and like trying to go in the median and stuff. Like, I'm trying to stay in the lane. But the reality is, like, sometimes I just, I just mess up. You're like going to be scared of me on the road now. <laughs> but occasionally, I, I, I kind of veer out of the lane a little bit. You know what's interesting I about this? Because I don't have lane departure or whatever notifications on my Jeep, I probably depart the lane more than I realize, right? But when we're in her Honda, her parents' Honda Pilot, I, there's a little, almost like a little nudge of like, hey, get back in the lane. So the Holy Spirit empowering you to love people is kind of like that. Once you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and it's true in you, as he says. Your desire is not to just run all over the road and run people over and not show love. No, your desire is to stay in the lane, but the reality is as a a human on this earth, you're gonna veer out of the lane sometimes and show hate, not show love, be rude, not kind. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? He kind of nudges you and says, hey, 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 focus. Get back in the lane of love. Do you have that nudge in your heart? All of us go out of the lane sometimes. So we're not looking, am I perfect? No, I'm not asking that. But, but do you sense the Holy Spirit nudging you? Hey, love others. Did you really wanna say that? Should you have said that? Do you need to let, that, let go of that thought and begin to pray for that person? He gets you back in the lane. Holy Spirit empowers us to love others. He keeps us on track. I wanna give give another, before we get to our fifth insight, I wanna give you a fourth insight that if I'm honest is I can't point directly to this text and go, here's where it is in this verse. So if you're gonna notice uh, in a minute, yeah, I don't think, yeah, perfect. You'll see there's not a verse there on the bottom, but it's this, assurance is better anchored in your love for people than your love for knowledge. Assurance is better anchored in your love for people than your love for knowledge. For knowledge, So this is for sure, I think, implied in this text and really through all of scripture, uh, even the fact that he, he doesn't, he never, John never says, if you, if you really know Jesus, you'll know a ton of information. So, so it is implied, it's just not, it's just not explicit. I wanna be clear there. But I think this is true. Assurance is better anchored in your love for people than your love for knowledge. I bring this up because I think a lot of people struggle with this. I think this could be encouraging and it can be challenging. So this should be encouraging And that literally your assurance of whether you really know God or not is better founded upon, better rest on how you love people than how much Bible information you know. Like some of you, it's possible that you go to Sunday school or small group or you go to a retreat or whatever, and there's somebody there who knows a lot about the Bible and just being around them makes you uneasy about your salvation. You're like, man, I don't know. I've been a Christian for like 30 years and that kid's like 15 and he knows more than me, right? Like, nowhere in scripture does he say if you really know me you'll be you'll be an encyclopedia of the bible no a better barometer of if you really know jesus is not how much you know and how much you love to know knowledge paul says knowledge puffs up right do you love people it's challenging and i think a lot of people especially in the american church we have such easy access to a wealth of information it's it's challenging, this, this idea, in that so many people, they do, they look to their confidence that they know Jesus based on how much they know. God, you're, guys, you're not gonna get to heaven and like, God, you should let me in because I know so much. Actually, Jesus, let me, I could probably teach you a few things, right? Like, no, it's not how it goes. You're saved by grace through faith, not how much you know. And it transforms you, that you love people. Yes, you're gonna have a love for his word. I'm not discouraging you knowing the Bible. Oh my goodness, like dig in, dig deep. If you come here often, you know that's the truth. But don't look to how much you know for assurance. I think some people, like they're tempted to go to 20 Bible studies a week and and fill up their their knowledge tank. And that's good, there's nothing wrong with that. But if it doesn't translate to you being kind to your neighbor, then you have a problem. Y'all with me? We have plenty of Christians who know a lot, but don't, do well loving people. Or we got plenty of people who think they're Christians, but hasn't translated to them loving people. And they need to take an, take an honest look in the mirror. Do you know Jesus? Because experiencing the love of Jesus always leads you to love others. All right, one more piece of steak this morning. Verses nine through 11. The one who says he is in the light, but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here's our fifth insight. It's this. How you relate to others reveals your real king. How you relate to others reveals your real king. So what doesn't say king in the verse? Where'd you get that? For sure. I get that. <laughs> Here's what I'm pulling that or seeing that. It's talking about light and darkness. If I walk in love, then I'm walking in light. But if, I, if, I, if I walk in hatred, then clearly I'm walking in the darkness. He's saying, if you walk in hatred, you're walking in the darkness, which means you have not been transferred to the kingdom. Of light. See, when you come into a relationship with God, you're, you're transferred into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom. See, the kingdom, there's this tension of, it's already, but not yet. So the kingdom of God has come. It's not coming in its fullness yet. We don't see it in its fullness yet. We're not in heaven yet, but it has come when, when Jesus came to this earth and now the Holy Spirit indwells us. So either you're still living in sin and walking in darkness under the prince and power of this world, Ephesians 1, 2, So it means Satan is my king or I'm walking in light. I've been saved by grace through faith. I'm walking in the kingdom of God and Jesus is my king. So if I'm in light, I'm in the kingdom of God. If I'm in darkness, I'm in Satan's kingdom. Who is your king? It makes it a little more heavy to think about it that way. That when I live in hate, I'm living as if Satan is my king. When I'm living and showing love to others, I'm showing that Jesus is my king. How you relate to others reveals who your real king is. Notice he says, the one who says he's in the light, but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. Uh, John keeps hammering on this. Don't care what you say, what do you do? (laughs) It's easy to say, I'm a Christian, oh, I love people put on the WWJD shirt, not against that, right? But like you, you got the, the, the South Crest sticker on your back of your car, not on your back. Maybe you got a tattoo, I don't know. <laughs> All that doesn't matter if it's not backed up by you loving people. But if you love your brother or sister, you're gonna remain in the light. It says, there's no cause for stumbling in him. So it means that as you're in the kingdom of God, Jesus is your king, and you're walking in the light, like we have got these lights shining here this morning, as I'm walking in the light, there's no cause for stumbling. So really simple here, like if we turn all the lights off in here and turn the lights off in the hallway and said, everybody get up and go out, for sure, people are gonna get tripped on, kicked, run into, knocked over, it's not gonna be great, right? But if the light, like right now, don't actually do this, but right now, if I said, everybody get up and leave, are people, are there gonna be some shoes stepped on and a few elbows here and there? Yes, but for the most part, we're gonna get out just fine, right? That's what he's saying. If if you're in the light, as we're walking around and doing life together, sure, we're we're gonna mess up. We're gonna step on each other's shoes every now and then, that kind of thing. But the reality is, we're, we're not tripping over each other. We know how to love each other rather than hate because we're in the light. This is, if you're in the darkness... The one who, verse 11, the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So if you're in the darkness, of course, you're gonna run into each other and kick each other because you don't know how to see. So if you're in the light, you you begin because the Holy Spirit, you begin to know how to love each other, how to care for one another. But if you you don't know Jesus and Satan ultimately is your king at that point, that's what that means. Then, of course, you're going to kick each other and run into each other, knock each other over because you can't even see. Their darkness has blinded you. So you're not even aware sometimes that you're doing things out of selfish ambition and you're running other people over or hurting them to spite them. You're not even aware of it because of your own blindness to your sin. He says, the darkness has blinded his eyes. So here's what's interesting. I love what John Stott points out that it's not that we misjudge people and then we hate those losers. No, it's that because the darkness has blinded us, we hate people and therefore we misjudge people. Even as Christians, I think we can sometimes do that. We, we look at people and we're just kind of in a bad mood. So we, and we, so we show, we portray, or uh, what's the word? I guess portray is fine. But put hate, project, project hatred on them. And then because from the beginning, we've not given them a fair chance, then we misjudge who they are. I know that never happens at South Chris, right? It says when you walk in the light and you're walking in the light like you're supposed to, you love people. When you're walking in the darkness, or even as a Christian, if you've begun to act like you're walking in the darkness, you hate people and therefore misjudge them because you start living blinded. How you relate to people reveals your real king. So, again, not the mirror, sorry, excuse me, not the window, look in the mirror. Do you love others? Not just do you have warm fuzzies, just come and go. But do you you actually care for and love others even when you don't feel like it? If if the answer is no, you realize this morning you're not a Christian, I I wanna encourage you, remind you that, that God's not like, how did those little dirty sinners get in here? I caught you, I knew you weren't really a Christian. No, his arms are open wide with grace and mercy and forgiveness. He says, come on home, child. He wants to open your eyes to his love and his perfect sacrifice on the cross. So simply turn from your sin, turn from your darkness and turn to the light of Jesus Christ. In a moment, moment, we're gonna have some folks down front that would love to pray with you and talk with you about what it means to, to know Jesus, to trust him, to trust that he lived the perfect life for you, died the death that you deserve on a cross and three days later rose again to offer you forgiveness and hope and love. And then you can walk in the light with Jesus as your king. If you're a Christian, I think two things to think about this morning. One, if you're, looking, if you're looking in that mirror of self-examination that John's putting in front of us, and you're like, man, I see it. God's transformed me, the Holy Spirit, through, through the grace of God, being to love people. Amen. Be excited about that. Rejoice in that. Like, go home today with a little pep in your step that, yes, like you're encouraged that you know Jesus. Uh, but I also wanna follow up, I, I think, We'd be remiss if we left here and didn't, at least for like a few seconds, think about the fact that all of us, even as Christians, could grow in our love for others. Amen? Like that, that's something we, we, we struggle with. And here's what I wanna remind you. All through 1 John, John points out, if you know God, then you'll do these things. Not if you do these things, then you can know God. No, if you know him, if you've been saved by grace through faith, God drawing you to himself, then you're gonna do these things. So what comes first is knowing, then comes loving, obedience, all those things. So if I wanna grow in my love for others, I need to grow in my relationship with Jesus, right? Because that's what comes first. Think about the the way all the epistles that that Paul wrote. I used this example at the worship center last week, like Romans, 11 chapters of him explaining the gospel. And finally in chapter 12, he's like, okay, here's how you should live. What comes first is a grasp of the gospel that leads to a transformation of your life. So the the call this morning, like if you're thinking, yeah, man, like rejoice in assurance of Jesus that I've been saved, but I also want to grow in love. It's not like, all right, here I go. I'm going to go love people. No, it's grow in your grasp of who Jesus is and and, and loving him. As you grow in that relationship, you're going to love others. I'll finish with, with this thought. If you think about the the Rocky Mountains and the rivers that flow down through there, even the Arkansas River, which is always so weird, the Arkansas River in Colorado. Anyways, you think about those rivers that flow through there. The mountains come spring and summertime don't have to like, all right, guys, we're going to produce some water. We're going to pump you guys up with water so the water will flow down through you. No, what happens? Snow falls. Often in places that people don't go to because it's too high or too scary to get there, we can't see snowfalls on the mountains. And the experience of the snow falling is what fuels those rivers, right? The mountains don't have to work it up. No, they, they receive snow, and the snow melts and flows down through them. I think it's a, kind of a picture of what happens in our relationship with God. As I experience the love of God, often in in places that people can't see. What I mean is like spending time with him alone in his word, spending time in prayer. As I spend time with him, experience his love, the greater I experience his love, the greater his love flows out through me to other people. Like you wanna know if the rapids in the summertime and late spring are gonna be awesome and the rivers are gonna be really full and high? You need to look back to what kind of snowfall did they have, right? They had a good snowfall that year? It's going to result in, man. These rivers are flowing, pumping. How can I maybe even look and say, man, am I going to love others well today? Well, have I been experiencing the love of Jesus? If I have, yeah, that's going to flow down and translate out through my life to others. Spend time with the King, and you'll begin to love like the King. I want to pray for us, and then we're gonna have some folks down here to get to pray with you, talk with you, and we're gonna sing a song that reminds us of God's love for us and we'll be done this morning. God, we're grateful for your word, grateful for your love. Lord, I pray that those who don't know you this morning, you would draw them to yourself. They would see their, their need for you. They would see the offer of grace and forgiveness, the offer of love that they could never earn on their own, but it was freely given through the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for believers, God, that we would walk away encouraged and strengthened and excited about and just the hope and the assurance that comes from, from knowing that we do know you. And God, even when we have those feelings of doubt, to be able to, to point back to concrete evidence and yes, God, we see how, how we talked about last week that we're beginning to obey you through your spirit, beginning to love others like you through the work of your spirit, God, and that we would rejoice in that. Lord, also that rejoicing will lead to even more transformation of a greater experience of walking in your love that that translates to loving others like you love. God, we know our community, our world is in desperate need of believers who love like Jesus. Would you help us to do that, to live like our King? God, I pray that now as we sing this song, that people will be bold to respond, that they would be sensitive to your Spirit's leading. God, as we sing, it would just be a good chance to rejoice in your love for us. In Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Y'all stand, and sing, and respond with us. If you are encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.